Welcome to Insights on Responsible Business, a podcast about organizations building trust, security, and resilience to thrive in a new era of uncertainty and stakeholder capitalism. Listen to business leaders discuss their challenges and experiences in becoming more responsible businesses towards an outcome that is better for all stakeholders, better for the long-term shareholder value, and better for society as a whole. Our host is Sir Rob Wainwright, formerly head of Europol with experience coordinating global operations against cyber, criminal, and terrorist networks, and now a senior partner of Deloitte. Our guest today is Annika Hult, Managing Director of Stenaline BV and Trade Director of Stenaline North Sea. She's responsible for the company's business on the North Sea, Stenaline's largest region with around 600,000 freight units and 800,000 passengers carried every year between the Netherlands and the United Kingdom. Annika is also a member of the Board of Directors of the Dutch Ship Owners Association. So, Stellaline is one of the world's leading ferry companies with 38 vessels and 19 routes in operation in Europe. It's an important part of the European logistics network, transporting millions of passengers, cars and freight units each year. As such, it's a key cog in the European transportation sector, playing a vital role during the COVID crisis. For example, in keeping the supply chain moving for foods and other essential goods. What are the challenges faced by this sector during this current crisis? And what does its future look like as a responsible business? Rob and Annika are here to discuss. Over to you guys. Great. Thank you, Rodney. Welcome back, listeners, and a warm welcome to you, Annika. Now, we'll come on to talk about COVID in a minute, but let's first take a look at the business and corporate character of Stenaline. Now, I've used you on ferries many times myself, shuttling between Holland and the UK, and I've seen those giant vessels docked at Hook of Holland as I cycle past on the occasional Sunday afternoon. I can't help noticing big words on the side of the vessels, connecting Europe for a sustainable future. What does that say about the company you are? Tell me a little bit about the character of your company, Annika. Mm. First of all, thank you so much for having me here. I've listened to, to, I believe, all of your podcasts, and I find it a very relevant topic. And there's be- definitely been uh, some some key takeaways for me, and I hope this conversation today will also give some inspiration to the listeners out there. So who are we and what, what's our character? Uh, Stena Line is part of a family-owned Swedish conglomerate called the Stena AB Group. Um, our main shareholder is also our CEO, and he's very much setting the tone of who we are. And he has what we recall, uh, refer to as Dan's little white book. It's basically um, a leaflet with uh, the principles, convictions, and the basic values that unite us all across the Stena Group. Um, it's, it's a family company that is very much driven about uh, building for the next generation, adding value, um, very much about stakeholders in general and creating success for, for all p- partners. And this document, is, it's really our guiding principles as we seek to um, decide how, which course to take, how should we act, how should we behave. So 
So our the core value of our company is care. Care for our customers, care for our resources, care for each other. Um, and this is also something that has been very important to us in this current uh, corona uh, and COVID-19 crisis that we found ourselves in. But I guess we'll come back to that in a minute. Well, I'm interested in, in you know, this, this idea. It sounds quite iconic, actually. You have a little white book. I mean, is that... I mean, I presume that's not just your description. It's kind of known almost in a famous way through by, by your employees. Is that right? It's very true. And as I said, I think a lot of companies have these nice words and who, who they're supposed to be. But this really is, um, it's who we are. And it's being updated regularly. There are new things added. Um, it gives us guidance on decision making, on business ideas, on how to behave and to be and expectations on us as leaders and as employees. Um, so it's it's something I always carry with me and I'm not unique. Everyone is carrying it with them. So it's almost like a moral compass and it's something, well, more than that, maybe. It's, it's also, I suppose, to a certain extent, it helps to set the the tone of your of your of your business agenda. Um, does I mean, I'm interested in the fact that you have care care for your employees, for your customers. Does that translate also somehow into care for your bottom line, into making profit? Does can you see that it's connected somehow, and, and not necessarily a choice between doing the right thing for your staff and and still making profit? Absolutely, I, I believe the two go hand in hand. Um, Responsible business and care also means that we care about our bottom line. Um, and, um, and it's about creating value in everything we do, including creating value for our shareholders. So it's most, most definitely about, um, about business success. And I do believe again that if you want to be successful in the long term, uh, you have to be responsible, but you also have to be profitable. Yeah, this, this, this idea of, of a value driven business, I think is something that, that we see in, in other sectors as well. But it's, it's a very vivid example that you're drawing here. The COVID crisis, Annika, I mean, first of all, what has been the role of Stenoline and maybe the wider transportation sector during COVID? I think you've had to step up and play quite an impo- important role as far as I can see. Yes. And I think this comes back to, to what is the purpose uh, that we fill? And, and yeah, you mentioned our ferries that you've cycled across and coming back to our vision of connecting Europe for a sustainable future. You should view us as infrastructure. Um, think of us as a kind of motorways of the seas, connecting in, in the case of the North Sea, uh, the continent and the UK. Now, we are a vital part of the whole supply chain. We enable in this crisis, for example, food and medicine and other essential supplies to keep on uh, being uh, transported and being uh, arriving at their destinations. Um, so, um, but it's not, of course, all we do. We also carry a lot of passengers, like yourself in the summer, perhaps. Um, and it was mentioned in the introduction. But this purpose means that for us, when COVID hit, we had to make sure our primary and first and foremost priority was to ensure business continuity, to be able to continue to fulfill these, this extremely vital role that we play in society. How did you ensure that? I mean, it is a vital role. May, 
you know, in normal times, maybe people don't notice this is kind of an invisible cog in the transportation sector and the supply chain of these foods and medicines. But now we see how important it really is. Um, I, I guess the supply chains have been massively disrupted. Um, you know, your, your staff resource base, for example. So how have you kept the show on the road? Yes. Um, so obviously we have been affected by this. Whilst there are critical supplies still being uh, transported, uh, the market has been very much disrupted. And our business model relies both on travel and on freight. Um, and on the freight side, we are, we are a consequence of the world around us. Production has shut down temporarily of car man, uh, um, plants in Europe. People are not consuming in the same way. So, of course, we are feeling that. Um, and also, if you look at the travel side, basically overnight, the whole world as we knew it changed. And we went from a strong, profitable business to loss making, if you look at it overall. How did so, you manage that? How did you manage that, that that impact? I mean, what kind of mitigating actions have you done to protect, you know, the, the values that, that that you generate in the bottom line, but also the values that run through the character of your little white book? What what, what have you done to protect the business? Mm -hmm. So, first and foremost, as I mentioned, was ensuring that we could keep on sailing. Safety is our number one priority, and it comes first and foremost. So uh, we are also very operationally driven as a company. Uh, we have uh, we already had an infectious disease uh, manual or procedure. Um, so obviously it was a matter of of mobilizing ourselves around uh, this crisis, looking at what actions do we had to take to be able to to safely um, operate, to look after our people, our customers. Um, looking at, you know, we have done things like uh, increased sanitizations on board. How do we ensure social distancing? Um, these are just a few examples. Sourcing um, PPEs or protection for, for the individuals in different scenarios. Um, so, so these are some of the things we, we have had to do very early on. But also a lot of tough decisions. Uh, I mentioned also travel. Um, if we, we zoom in on the North Sea, um, over Easter, we're usually very busy. People are traveling a lot. Last year, we carried on Hook van Holland to Harwich uh, 13,000 passengers. This year, 1,100. Wow, that's, that's a, a drop of about 90%. So that's a, that's, that's a huge, huge impact. And, and as you've adjusted and the pressure you've been under, what I'm struck by is what you're saying is that you're commitment to this agenda of responsible business is not something you've ditched overnight you still see that that is the way by which perhaps you um you know you can continue to to to, to navigate your way through this crisis yes and I, I think i think there's one thing that I've, i must say i'm so proud of our of our the management of our uh, top management of our company because they were acting very decisively early on um not just sitting and hoping that things would work out. And it's been tough. And it's been, as I said, on the one hand, managing the, the here and now, um, the crisis management, the operational aspects and so on, which uh, while we, we've had to learn a lot as we've gone along, again, as a big operational company, we have certain routines on that. 
But at the same time, we've had to take some really tough decisions in the company. And, and uh, yeah, I have the utmost respect for, for our CEO and for our management because we have closed down routes in Scandinavia. We have had to lay off people. And you can think then, oh, okay, but how does that go with care? Well, care is also ensuring that we're here in the future. And then you have to take tough decisions sometimes. But you have to act decisively. You cannot just wait and hope for it to work out. It's interesting you talk. You talk with somebody who, who has clearly strong leadership experience of, of managing a crisis, maybe not just this one, but many others. You say the safety is at the heart of your agenda. So perhaps you're already well equipped uh, culturally, but also institutionally to deal with a crisis. And one of the principles of good leadership, and we've been finding um, during this crisis, and I've been speaking to many leaders, is what you just said. You have to have the the courage to act decisively, to make decisions, and, and to act quickly, to have speed over, over excellence rather than just waiting for the perfect moment. I just wonder, from your point of view, Annika, I'm interested in, in you and, and your personal learnings as a leader during this crisis, a lot of pressure on you. What have you learned? Is there anything that surprised you, perhaps? Um, I, I think, I mean, you, could, you couldn't ask for, uh, within quotation marks, a better leadership course than, than a big crisis like this. Um, so, of course, there are a lot of things I've learned about myself. But I think it's, first and foremost, it, it has really just validated how important it is to have a really strong team and to, to, have, to work together towards a common goal and know what's important. But also some of the principles that are, to me, key leadership um, aspects, and that is the principles of transparency, of trust, delegation, and accountability. I think you, you have to be more than ever in a crisis like this, very transparent and being very honest. Um, uh, communication is, is key in that. And I think we've seen that more than ever. Um, but also, um, again, also admitting that you don't have all the answers. Um, building trust by, by not shying away from the difficult topics and conversations and the hard decisions, because that, that creates trustworthiness, I believe. And you have to be there for your people. You, you have to take responsibility. But more, more importantly, you have to listen to your people and then be empathetic. And it's, it's a very worrying time for a lot of colleagues, not just, you know, the economical uncertainties perhaps, but also for your families. And I think it's an unprecedented situation we're finding ourselves in right now. So Rob, you, you asked me what I'd learned, um, from this uh, and what I've take with me. I'd be very interested to hear from you. You led through some some big crises when you were in charge of Europol. For example, the the, the terrible uh, terrorist attacks in Paris. What were the lessons you learned from that when it comes to crisis management, but more importantly for you as a leader? Yeah, that's a good question. I think for me, it's about standing back from the heat of the moment um, because there there were plenty of other firefighters, as it were, at the scene dealing with that. Um, it was important to sort of try to remove emotion. There we could see um, terrorists rampaging through the streets of Paris, indiscriminately killing a lot of people. It was a terrible night. 
uh, in European history. I remember it well. But we needed clear-sighted logic and we needed as leaders to to think about not what the steps must be now, but what will we be doing even in a week's time, in a month's time, you know, to change the nature of the game. And secondly, I, I think it's it's a point, you know, we've already discussed, which is the speed of response. Um, don't wait to form a committee. You must make decisions very quickly. Um, and in the end, though, I think it's what you were experiencing. It comes down to your values and what drives you. And what, what drive, uh, drove me at the time was to do the right thing for society. And in that case, we were facing a terrible crisis uh, across across Europe. And, and you just have to make a difference, even if it's in a small way. In the end, you must be impelled, compelled to make a difference to society. That's why I'm still after more than 20 years of working for Siena, because I feel in some way through our owners and, and what we do, we do a lot of useful things and add a lot of value. And being part of that feels that you are in some small way contributing to making a difference. And to me, that, that's, that's everything. It's got to be a job and it's got to be a challenge that drives you drives you to to want to make that uh, that difference to want to in your case sure i'm sure now you know working countless hours a day because you truly believe in what you're doing you're not just doing it to pick up the paycheck it's something more more important more fundamental than that and that really is a responsible business agenda right it's it's you know serving a wider stakeholder community widely uh, serving a wider purpose than than j- just making the bottom line and and I can hear it in the, in the way that you're describing your job today and, and how you feel um, really motivated by this idea of the little white book. I love that. I think it's a fantastic example. And, and it's something that reflects well on your company. Thank you. And, and I, I think, I mean, it's easy to lead in good times. Uh, I think the big test is when, when there are adverse events. Um, someone once told me, "What doesn't kill you makes you stronger," well, and I think we grow from this. It might be or, easy to, to lead in, in good times. It's easy. It's easier to learn in the, in the more challenging ones, and uh, and your experience Absolutely. right now will will help shape, I'm sure, in more ways than than, than many others. Um, you know what the rest of your career might look like. It's interesting you talk about building trust, and and and, and again, I think that's that's a key. Attribute not just of, of good leadership, but, but also, um, running through the heart of what is responsible business. Um, you talk also about the future. Um, it's also about protecting the value for the future. Um, it's important to you about building for the next generation. I think you said at the start of our discussion. So, you know, as the business world now, now moves into a kind of thinking about recovery and response. What are you doing to prepare to emerge from this crisis and to recover maybe some of, some of the lost business impact that you've had. Yeah. So you're, you're right. I mean, we're moving in a way into, to a new phase from, from the extreme crisis management into a more, okay, maybe hopefully we'll bottom up and we will start going up slowly. But the future is, of course, in some segments quite uncertain, uh, definitely in travel. Normally now we were preparing for a high season with, with thousands of passengers each and every day. Um, we are now preparing ourselves for for a, a summer or for this year where, you know, we will, we will see restrictions most likely. Um, social distancing, how can we enable that? How can we continue operating with some of these measures we've had to take? Um, the problem is, of course, that we, we don't know what, 
when and what is going to actually happen. And that uncertainty makes it more difficult. Um, but we are, we, we do believe in what we are doing. And we do believe that again, business will start coming back. We, we believe in, in, you know, more shorter breaks, maybe the, the car vacations. And then of course we are perfectly situated for that. We, but we meet, must make sure we do it in a safe and reliable way, which is always our priority, but now more than ever important. Sounds like it, it, it will lead you to be more agile and, and, and to respond in a different way. But, but you also sound quite positive, Annika, maybe if we can think about ending on, on, on a positive <laughs> note. Um, uh, you sound like you already have some ideas about what a post-COVID world looks like for, for your company and your, your sector. Are, are you positive? Um. I believe you have to be. We, I, I strongly believe we will get through this. Uh, I know we will get through this, and um, and the world will settle in a new normal way. The question is, what will that look like? On the North Sea, Hook Harwich, we've been sailing since eighteen ninety three. Uh, we've been adding, you know, value to the the people in need of transportations for more than a hundred years. I, I do believe we will continue to do that. Um, Yes, I'm positive. I am concerned, if I'm honest, about what will happen to the economies of Europe. Uh, what will be the impact on this? Uh, because, again, we are a reflection of that. What will the consumption look like? And so on. Um, but yes, I, I am positive, cautiously optimistic. But the question is, when will it come back? Will it come back? Absolutely. The question is for how long, but we will be there and we'll be ready. Um, that's who we are. We've gone through tough times before. This is like nothing we've ever seen. And it hit, as I said, overnight across all markets and all segments, unprecedented. But we'll get through this. We always do. Together. Well, will we come back? Of course we will. Take it from a leading executive in a company so steeped in history and corporate values. And on that positive note, Annika, I'd like to thank you for being our guest in this edition of our podcast. Well, moving huge numbers of people, perishable goods and other freight across seas and between countries is a challenging enterprise at the best of times, a task that's been made even harder by the impact of the COVID crisis. And for companies like Stenaline, it has upended their operating model and business plans and tested both the viability of their strategies and the qualities of their leadership. What those like Annika have learned during this gigantic stress test, however, is not to suddenly sail a different route in an imaginary pursuit of short-term profit, but rather stay true to the chartered course of responsible business. Drawing strength from its heritage and values, making a real impact in society when it matters most, and building for the next generation. That takes business on a journey of becoming a more attractive employer, a better brand for the consumer, and a more agile operator. A positive outlook by which to navigate the challenges of response and recovery which the business world is about to face. Thanks for listening to another episode of Insights on Responsible Business. Hope you enjoyed it and that you'll tune in to our next episode. Review us on Spotify, the iTunes podcast app, 
or whatever popular podcast app you're using and find out more on Deloitte.nl. We'll see you in our next episode.